welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best team in the Bundesliga, the best team in Germany, the best team in Europe, the best team in the world for that matter. But we're a little bit biased. Um, I am Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. And uh, you can follow the podcast that is at HEFPod. Hey, I'm Tracked Frankfurt at gmail.com is the email address. You can reach out to us, as some people will do. And facebook.com slash HEFPod is where you can find everything in the English language about I'm Tracked Frankfurt all in one convenient location, which uh, if you don't read the German language, and unable to understand it, and uh, sometimes you're not able to get Google Translate to work, we can get you all the information that you need to be up to date on everything that is Eintracht Frankfurt. So, here to talk about uh, this most recent week's match, as we do have an international break coming up, so no match to preview this weekend, it is Nathan in St. Louis. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's been a second since we have you on, and glad to have you come back. Yeah. Only only during the good times, right? <laughs> Always good to be here, even in the bad times, but especially in the good times. Oh, yeah. Love the good times, and the good times, I do say, let's roll. Uh, we go further north to add to our company. It is Chris in Detroit. Chris, uh, how's the Motor City? Uh, 70 and sunny, not a cloud in the sky. The beer is open. The goal is open. Frankfurt's scoring. The men, the women, everything is great right now. Let's keep it going. And, you know what? It really sucks that we have an international yeah. break, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, that's all I got to say on that. Um, anywho, it? Let's look at the match that has just patched at the weekend. It was Eintracht Frankfurt 5, Union 2. Boys, um, this, uh, wow, uh, if you were neutral, you were not bored. At least, especially during the first 45 minutes, to be frank. It was. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, obviously, when you score two minutes in, you're going to feel good about everything. Um, I don't know about that. Remember that goal in clearance that was, you know, like a minute earlier. That was pretty close. You know, yeah, it happens. We didn't wake up on time, but we woke up uh, in time to get an early one. And even though they countered pretty quick, there was not a point where you thought, oh, boy, this is getting out of hand. True. I know we're going to go on and on about that. That referee decision, though. Uh, um, Yeah. Um, Nathan, over here. Let me get your initial thoughts before we start deep diving into events that transpired on the pitch and the players themselves. Hmm. Well, I mean, our seeing our offensive system functioning, our transition and our counterattacks functioning is uh, it's really fun to watch. When things, <laughs> I do have a there. I mean, we there are some things that the team can take that can be critical of themselves on and, t- and take away from this and improve on. So there's, there's everything I think for Hutter to, to move forward on. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, uh, Adi Hutter, who is not going to be going uh, towards Munchen Gladbach, though there is a new coaching vacancy that has occurred this week, but we can talk about that in the second half of the podcast. So <laughs> let's get to it. Uh, goal and clearance, not one, but two or the course of the first half for Jibril. So, uh boy that boy's uh timing is starting to become impeccable and uh, not just in uh, the offensive sector but the defense as well so glad we're keeping him on um uh, but yeah let's get right to it um Eintracht countering down um you know Kostic finding Silva now, granted, it wasn't just all costage, but, you know, uh, as I was watching him on the international stage earlier today, uh, he was, he'd always been in fine form. I swear to God, ever since Jovic came back to the Eintracht, Kostic has been just a man on fire. If you, I mean, there's not many teams in the Bundesliga who could say that um, if you were to build a best 11 squad, like unbiasedly build a best 11 squad, that he would be within the first five uh, picked. Just saying. Yeah. 
he's he's on fire right now. I, I, he is super confident, and his passing is in, is intense. I mean, it's I, I I just I love his intensity, and I love uh yeah, like you said, since Jovic has been here, I don't know what Jovic has been telling him. Maybe he's been giving him some pointers. Maybe he's been giving him some confidence. I don't know, but he's been lights out. Yeah, it can't hurt to have a buddy in the locker room. Yeah. You know, somebody you know from your home country. And, you know, Kostic has been around that clubhouse long enough. He knows everybody there, and he's he's a good guy. You hear it from them all. But he carried a lot of baggage with him. When, when we signed him, he wasn't exactly known for being a spark that lit it. <laughs> And that's exactly what he's been since he's been. And on a consistent basis, because when he was with uh, Stuttgart, you know, that team was kind of a a squad in disarray. They, they like Haas, Val, were constantly flirting with relegation. Then it finally happened. Guess what? He went to the Haas, Val. And that was just a mess of a team. And you know what? When you're part of a big old mess, normally things just go horribly. And, um, yeah, he came into he came to the Eintracht and it's been great ever since. Um, Nathan, you you're kind of wanting to add right there. What's that? You looked like you were trying to add right there. <laughs> nope, I was just agreeing. Oh, <laughs> uh, talking about men who've been around the park, uh, uh, Deutsche Bank Park for that matter, um, the Waldstadion. You know, the most wonderful place in the world for some people who have been able to be there and be with the fans. Uh, hopefully uh, everyone uh, masks up and takes the vaccination so that we can return to those days as soon as possible. Um, of old men, being, guys been around there long enough. Hasebe, wearing the captain's armband. Ooh, that looked like that really, really, really hurt as he took a couple cleats there and was up Poem, uh, not uh, uh Ryerson, uh, whose cleats just kind of, you know, met met his thigh and you know he went down a heap and to be fair when i saw that happen all i could think in my head was oh dear god we do not have someone to throw on unless we're using uh willems or yeah i really was thinking that you know rhoda would have to go there villains would have to go there or we'd have to use one of the kids uh to go in his place but he got right back up and was able to take on for the rest of the match but that was some uh, that was some grim stuff, and you know, look, we recovered, but that just pissed me off. And I hope, and I kind of wonder if that was a fire that got lit, you know, inside the guys who all thought, you know, what that was a bunch of bullshit, and we're gonna go out there and you know, just just destroy those guys. Well, as long as we've had Hasebe back there. We've never seen him stay on the ground for more than a couple seconds. And it, mm-hmm. it was disturbing how long he was down there. That's not his style. So, you know, it was kind of disappointing when they went to the review. They're going to overturn that. There's no way that holds up. And then they just, you know, turn the other way. Said, yeah, it works. That counts. Like, I thought it was terrible. You know, in real time, if they said, that's a goal, fine. But to go back and look at it and not overturn it to me was absurd. Yeah, totally. It was infuriating that uh, he that uh, the 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 evaluation of the official after the match saying that he didn't see it or that he wasn't in a good position to see it, and so that he didn't review it. It seemed like a callous. Uh, excuse for for an error on his part it, yeah that was a clear foul clear foul and then it was an incredible goal by Caruso <laughs> oh god uh yeah why don't we just pr- I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due that's that boy him and Lewandowski they just it does not matter who what team that they're playing on whether it be Werder Bremen or uh or Union, or in Lewandowski's case, uh, Bay and Bayern. Those two guys are the ones who just, every time we face them, the guy puts in goals, and that's four that he scored against us this year. That's, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just finding the perfect corners, the perfect angle over trap. It, 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 those are going to happen. 
where you say, well, I'm glad we're ahead a couple because I really want to applaud them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I can relate it back to a former Andrek player, he reminds me a bit of Alex Meyer just with a little bit more in the legs, you know, just knows where the goal is at. And when he is healthy and is able and has got his match fitness there, He's gonna find he's gonna find the back of the net. It's just a matter of time, and uh, the fact that they, yeah. I mean, without Cruza, they would not be anywhere close to European uh, to, to be within a shout of the European competitions. Because right now, they with uh, yeah. even though they didn't get any points, no one and no one caught up with them over the weekend with, uh, and so. They're still sitting in seventh, yeah. and you got to wonder, you know, are they going to be because they can't? They talked about it a couple of weeks ago. So Max Cruz openly admitted that if they qualified for the new UEFA conference, and I think I mentioned this when it happened, he openly said, "Yeah, we don't want to play in that competition at all. It's like either we play in Europa League or Champions League, or we just don't." And I'm like. Would you guys really refuse a European competition if it was given to you? <laughs> I don't think they can. As a club for you know, yeah. being recently promoted, they have to take what's offered to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's a that's a fair argument to be had for some of the the European regulars in the bigger countries. You know, mm-hmm. it, you you mentioned last week it's not the competition designed for the big countries. So say you have a Gladbach or maybe even us would, I think we'd have interest in it because our fans love to show up on random Tuesdays and Thursdays. But and you'd think you'd I, fancy I think yourselves. Yeah, you'd Bucks. fancy it against, you know, that third place team from the Czech Republic or the third place team from Croatia or uh, Albania where the final is going to be held uh, next year when that gets underway. I mean, I would assume that uh, the teams who are involved in it, because um, kind of like how in the Champions League, your um, your third place teams then drop into the knockout phase of the Europa League, they'll have the same thing happen from the, the third place teams of the Europa League group phases because it's being condensed a little bit uh, by separating the teams. That That's going to happen. So, I mean... I won't be surprised if a big team suddenly gets in it and is like, oh, we're planning this. All right. So we can either look like a bunch of mugs by not giving a not caring or we can actually go for it. And what if, you know, end of the day, uh, get a lift a trophy. I mean, it's <laughs> but this is all stuff that it's not going to happen for like a full year from now. So <laughs> let's get back to the match. At hand. Uh, so that own goal. Was that not the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> karma. <laughs> True We've been karma. at the other end of stuff like that. So it, <laughs> it just makes you cringe as a football fan to, to see that because you know that goalie's trying everything he can to get back over there, <laughs> slipping and sliding everywhere. It, it's funny because of what side of it we're on. Mm-hmm. But we've been on the other yeah. side enough. As I, watching yeah, that, the, uh, that made me almost think... The, the other aspect... Of- <laughs> the other aspect is that our pitch got the assist there. The pitch that Finally. we that we complain about constantly finally comes in our favor. I mean, when I saw it, I thought in my head, I'm like, oh my god, that's going in. And then I'm like, oh my god, did the goalkeeper tear or something? And then I'm like, nope, he's playing on our pitch. That was just him slipping and sliding. <laughs> Flat but that is the that is the exact reason you're taught as as a soccer player. When you play it back to the keeper, you don't put it on frame. You keep it to the near side where if if something happens and the goalie misses it, it's not going into the net. And it mm-hmm. was poorly played. It, you know, there was bad communication, and it worked in our favor, and that lit a spark. That really did. Yeah. We took advantage from there. And how did we take advantage? Well, uh, it was a pair of goals and quick, rapid succession uh, from the likes of Kostic, who got a little help from Silva. I honestly thought yeah, that Jovic during this time was going to uh, find one, but no, it didn't happen to him. Uh, Jovic to Silva to Kostic, who just kind of, you know, just correctly placed the ball on the back and then that Daichi Kamada to, to Silva... I mean, Kamada, yet another assist. I know some other people would say that uh, uh, I'm 
a little too heavy on that bandwagon. But hey, I think he Who says that. I don't even think that he had an all. T- he had a decent game, and yet look at how things just came together. His skill set went even when he's decent. You know, did shine through. I really, really, really wanted Jovic to get a goal. It just didn't end up happening, yeah. which sucks. But you know, but he was still involved, and mm-hmm. he he made plays there that he was absent for. He looked a little more comfortable finding a position where he fit in the flow of the yeah. offense. And he didn't look frustrated at all to me compared to the last couple matches before that. I would agree with that. Um, I will say, uh, as we are kind of entering into switching over to the second half, things, they they ended up being what they were. Uh <laughs> With the two-goal lead after Cruz got his uh, second of the match right before uh, the end of the half, which I mean that header over that header over trap, you're just like, ooh, could have saved it, but you know what? Yeah. That's just a great uh, that was just a great striker heading the ball and just catching the fact that <laughs> uh, you're not you're not in place and uh, you just caught him flat-footed a little bit. Yeah, it was I. I at first, I was kind of, kind of mad, like the trap was out of position, despite him saving our ass a few times before. Um, but on on replay, it's like, yeah, I think he was he was in the right position. I can't really blame his positioning for that for that goal. It was just an excellent, excellent, you know, head, you know, clear headed strike. You know, <laughs> it's just just felt like it was in slow motion. Yeah, and connecting it connecting it back to the earlier goal lines multiple in the match uh as nice as it was to score five goals it you know with a great goal like that that could have been an equalizer had we not you know had such a comfortable lead it was a little concerning how many big saves trap had to make how many goal lines notice but notice where they all came from set pieces time and time again union uh, coming in from the set piece, and they and heel. that yeah, it's our Achilles heel. But we're, you know, when we return to Bundesliga action, and uh, we can have for now, um, we're going to be facing a team who's got a way worse Achilles heel when it comes to the set piece than uh, ourselves <laughs> in BVB. Uh, so I mean, and we were, I mean, Union is one of the best when it comes to the set pieces. That was, you know, key to them staying up last year. And, you know, they just have added additional pieces to to play with, Cruza being just an unbelievable add for them. Um, and, yeah, the second half, to me, before we can kind of make mention of the goal itself, uh, it's, kind, it, it's kind of shit that... Uh, that Hasebe uh, got the yellow card that he did because, you know, he's going to be, uh, that's his fifth on the season. He's going to be out for the next match. Is going to be, is going to be interesting once we come out to Bayfow Bay. Uh, and we'll preview that uh, next week. But it's going to be interesting kind of what we do to change things around in the lineup hopefully yeah. you know we'll have the full defense i mean we should have everyone else back in there so um i'm guessing that we'll have i mean it's going to be a question of you know is elisanka going to be the guy coming off the bench is he going to be um sticking in there you know he, he was kind of immaterial by comparison to last week but i'm pretty sure that it's going to be indica uh hinteregger and tuta uh, so long as Hinteregger uh, uh, is up to speed. Uh, I haven't heard. I haven't seen uh, Austria play yet, so there's always that scary chance that he could play and get hurt there. So uh, time will tell. International suck. Fingers crossed. International yeah, we, suck. It, it, would, it would be interesting to see if that, that cleat to the thigh would have resulted in him sitting for a match anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if I look at it from like a positive perspective, I would love for him to play against Bauf, you know, against Dortmund, but I'd much rather him not draw a card against Dortmund and have him play against his old team. Yeah, that's true. I don't think, I think that 
especially where they sit right now, it it would be an import more important match for him. Yeah, indeed. I know you he's know, a professional, and both of them would. It be. was his uh, his first full season within the Bundesliga. He had been bought the season before in uh, January by uh, Wolfsburg. Auto Club, and uh, go figure. That was the last team that wasn't called Bayern or Dortmund to win the title, and that's that well over. Ago. That is now decade, decade and two. Kind of crazy, but anywho's, <laughs> who did? Who? What's? Who? What's not to love about you know the guys who took part in the final goal of the match? You know, look, I will admit it was uh the defender for Union, uh, whose, you know, their area was the one that kind of led to the goal. But it was kind of awesome to see uh, that Zuba and Trustig were all in and amongst it. And uh, Zuba to Chandler ended up being uh, ended up being the goal. Oh, excuse me, uh, Trustig was uh, after the goal happened. But, you know, Zuba being a, a part of... Uh, I mean, look, we've been dogging on him for... A lot of the season, uh, finally gets played a more central role, which is where he had more success with Hoffenheim. And go figure, he gets an assist. And the the sheer joy that you saw in his and Timmy's face was quite incredible. <laughs> We're going to need those guys down the stretch. You know, we, we cannot survive with the same 12 and 13 bodies for the entire season. So we got, I think, eight matches left. We need those guys mm-hmm. to provide scoring touch, and you know they did it. So anytime Timmy scores, I'm pretty sure we're undefeated. It's like a rule. So good to see. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but I wanted to kind of talk about this. Uh, Andre Silva has now uh, scored his twentieth, equalizing uh, the great uh, uh, Tony Yaboa, and then he goes out. And gets a second one. He's now got the record for uh, most goals scored by a non-German. 21 now is the number that he is on. 26 is all that remains. Uh, so just five more goals and he'll ha- be tied with the record. I mean, are we thinking that he could get the... Uh, are we thinking that his, he can uh, get the record that's uh, still being sat on by Hosben? Uh, Hosenben? I think he can. Um, he kind of had his dry stretch here in the last couple of weeks, which is relative to the you know this kind of season he has. There is no real um, scoring uh, scoreless streak, but a couple games he went and yet. It seems like we're through it already, the way he put two away. So hopefully he can reach that 26. I don't see anything in his way that will stop him. Yeah, I'd like to. I just would love to see it. Look, look. It, it's good for him to be on, to start, to kick off another and be on fire again, um, simply because we have to run against uh, some pretty big teams coming up. And I don't expect that we will have a low scoring games in these matches. Agreed. So. And- Fun fact about his uh, 20th and 21st goals. It was the 92-93 season that Yeboah uh, got the 20 mark. That was the last time an Eintracht player had scored 20 goals in a single season. Like, even when we were down in the second division and got promoted back up. So, um, in the most recent time, Alex Meyer sco- uh, won the, the goal-scoring championship um, in the second division was 17 he, and when he won it um like three seasons later he won it with 19 which seems such a small amount to win it for the Bundesliga but I mean it was that's just kind of hilarious that um uh, you know the kind of tears that uh Lewandowski goes on is just that the kind of new norm and he's you know chasing down the single season goal scoring record uh get Müller what was that? Uh, Forty, I think he, I think is the uh, number. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of awesome that Silva's having such a great season. It's drastically overshadowed uh, league wide and Europe wide because Lewandowski is such a freaking beast. But it's 
Yeah. It's just kind of crazy that uh that this is the that this is the most goals since uh what was it buying? Uh scored his 26 in uh the 76-77 season. Yeah, that's uh, wow. it's long long time. And the time before that anyone had scored 20 in a season. Um uh, that was pre-Bundesliga era. So uh, <laughs> quite uh, quite a time span since the Eintracht had some high-end goal score. And you know what? I am still optimistic that he'll stick around. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, what competition we're in next season. Yeah. All right. So we kind of <laughs> talked the guys into submission there. Um, how about we go to <laughs> hashtag what are we drinking before we start discussing uh, the Frauen and the rest of the business again? I like that. It's my yeah. favorite segment. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Nathan, what do you got for us? Well, right now I'm drinking good old-fashioned H2O, but uh, as, a, as in an honor to uh, the – um, to a former blue that uh, passed away today, Bob Plager. I'm going to have a little sip of whiskey and and salute that guy because he meant a lot to our club. There you go. There you go. All righty. Uh, what do you have for us, Chris? I am drinking a beer off the west coast of Michigan because we're an awesome state. We have two coasts, uh, three actually. We got a northern one too. <laughs> Uh, from Saugatuck Brewing on the west side, I got a peanut butter porter. And I know everybody does the peanut butter porter now. Ooh. They've been doing it for a while, and it's a good one. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there we go. That's good. All righty. Um, I am sticking with my Blue Paw uh, Wild Berry. I found it in the front in the, the beer fridge uh, a couple weeks ago at my local liquor store. And Really chuckled at the fact that the logo that was on it. Um, I had remembered uh, from a previous job uh, that brewing company, Sea Dog Brewing Company, out in Portland, Maine, being mentioned uh, by a coworker, and I'd never been able to find any other stuff. So I thought I'd give it a go, and it's you know not too bad for wheat beer. Obviously, it's got a um, blueberry flavor to it, but I think that's like I think it's. Pr- Pretty solid. You know, I give it, I mean, out of, I can't, I, <laughs> it's one of those beers that, you know, you want to try, you know, once and uh, you remember it uh, thereafter. And what so, was the name yeah. of the brewery? <laughs> it's, You're good. Uh, <laughs> sea Dog Brewing Company out in uh, Portland, Maine. So, oh. it looks like it's got, uh, like yeah, the, name. the the logo ha- looks like it's got a Great Pyrenees dog with a uh, kind of a yellow rain jacket hat on its head. Hmm. So there you go. <laughs> Fits me. <laughs> Fits the name indeed. So that's my addition to hashtag what are we drinking? Uh, we'll be back with segment two in just a jiffy. So stay with. <laughs> Hey, I tracked Frankfurt, Brian, and Chris as Nathan will be working on the production end. So, but we wanted to get his thoughts on the I track uh, victory over the quote Eisen Union, more like uh, rusty metal. If you ask me, <laughs> uh, if there's anyone who is a, a Union Berlin sympath- uh, sympathetic person out that is not called Roman, you know, y'all can. Uh, just let me let me enjoy this. Let me enjoy this because there's a couple Union fans in our fan group here in Kansas City uh, in the kind of Bundesliga group that we have, and they were giving me shtick for a while. Now I can feel free to say, hey, when you come back up, I will be cheering you on in the derby just because I want to see Hertha, you know, take a punch right in the testicles. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm a 
I'm mean when I want to be, but I, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying life as is right now. Just saying. Um, so, uh, for, time for our Frauen Corner. Um, so, uh, the Eintracht lost midweek, but we kind of covered that, uh, uh, in our most recent podcast. Uh, but they did have a quarterfinals of the Frauen Pokal uh, to take on. Um, second division side, Andernacht, not sure what part of the country that is, uh, took on the Eintracht and a 7-1 victory. Very needed for the Frauen. Puts them now into the semifinals where they have been drawn with SC Freiburg. Um, Chris, not going to lie, this team has had a real torrid uh spring and this is they're finally seeing some positivity here because we've had a lot of mediocre and bad results exclusively in uh 2021 so to me this is the first positive step towards riding the ship so to speak yeah they took care of business against a club that i'll be honest i've never heard of them i'm gonna have to do some some googling afterwards but um, they spread out the scoring a little more scoring when we've gotten it recently has been hard to come by. Uh, but to put up seven against anybody in a cup is fantastic. And then to get seven out of four different scores, uh, Barbara Dunst with a, with a hat trick, um, they took care of business like they should have, but it will get harder in the semifinals. They're going to go against the first division club. Exactly. Well, a mid-table for division club. So uh, with Freiburg, I think it would basically be up to a coin toss. Uh, I'd like to hope that the Freiburg can get the job done. They really, really needed a confidence booster. And playing Freiburg in April, hopefully uh, that will lead to them going to the final uh, in Cone which in the other semifinal, it is Bayern and Wolfsburg. So uh, and they're the one of the big ones. For those that yeah. don't follow the women's game, they're the undisputed giants in Germany. Yeah, uh, I think that they have been one and two for each of the last five, six seasons. And when it comes to the, the UEFA Women's Champions League, uh, now I'd have to verify this, uh, they... They've been basically walking away with that thing. It's well, uh, as for until you basically uh, face the uh, the real queen of that, which is Leon. Uh, so uh, that was Wolfsburg who made the most recent final, and yeah, so recent finalists and uh, another recent finalist in Bayern. Let's see. The last time Bayern had won that, uh, Bayern's actually never made it to the final. Wolfsburg has two, uh, five final appearances, uh, two wins, and three uh, losses. Bayern has just one semifinal appearance, and Wolfsburg also has a semifinal appearance where they didn't finish. And uh, yeah, in our trophy cabinet in the FFC Frankfurt days, there are four. Uh, championships uh, when it was the UEFA Women's Cup and uh, two runner-up spots as well. The last one, the last uh, appearance in the final coming in 2015. Uh, that cha- uh, that was hosted in Berlin, and that was Eintracht beating Paris Saint-Germain, uh, who are kind of. Along with Lyon, really the only thing going for France that they, they just openly dominate uh, the, the women's league, and uh, when it does come down to their you know league matches, that is for the European women's game. That is must see TV. So um, here's hoping that the Frauen will be able to uh, at least right the ship a little bit um, when it comes to. Uh, Champions League qualification, Chris. I think, I think it's safe to say that uh, it ain't happening for the team unless they just go on an unbelievable run. Yeah. And you have something else happen to uh, the rest of the field because the current distance well, that, in the yeah, league that, that is that just way too big. Right, but what you can look at, I mean, it, even though you know we're talking about the same club, some restructuring, uh, 
since taking on the OnTrack brand. Um, but there's a lot of changes involved. In that. So they're going to get a pass this year, even though things started hot at the beginning of the year. They're going to get a pass. Um, the big one coming up against Leverkusen on the weekend. I think it's Friday. Or, yeah, I think Friday. But uh, they got Leverkusen coming up, and that's an opportunity to move into the top half of the table. So, you know, that that's a realistic goal right now. Pass Freiburg, who's at six, and call yourself a top half team this year, reorganize for next year, and then make another run at it. That being said, with the way that the team is kind of finishing, I can feel in this light that if the team does make the final, that uh, certain members of the squad will, at least the leading members of the squad who are seen as like the keys going forward, will see that, hey, you know what? We've shown that we can stand up to the best of them and, you know, we can make a run at it. I'd hope that um, it will happen, but you also understand that, you know, if the in the Frauen Bundesliga, that if the team, you know, you only have a semifinal appearance and you're kind of mid table, look, I'd like us to get past your Freiburg and six, your Leverkusen and seventh, your Potsdam, at least run them to the end. If you can get fourth or fifth, you know, that at least can give certain. Uh, members of the Eintracht team believe that, and there's still quite a few young ladies who are playing match, uh, you know, every single minute that they have the opportunity to play. So, you know, the team will develop, you know, you just need to add maybe one or two uh, more pieces and that will be the difference between a, you know, just outside the European qualification zone to qualifying in Europe, because while it is not, you know, uh, Munich and Wolfsburg are accustomed to playing in Europe. Everyone else has kind of been outside of Europe for quite a few seasons and adjusting to multiple matches uh, in a week because of the increased schedule that can, uh, that could possibly uh, mean that whoever is finishes in third will have very, will find it very difficult to themselves finish again in third, second, or first uh, in the uh, the 21-22 uh, bonus, like I see them. Just saying. So, I will that, say that they're, mm-hmm. they're carrying the on-track badge very well. You know, a mid-table club making a run in the Pokal. It's kind of the way we built our brand the last four or five years. So, uh, all jokes aside, they're they're going to have a chance to move up the table, and that will happen. It's just we do have to be patient uh, with them. It, there have been a lot of changes there the last couple of years. It's going to take some time to find the stability. They're good defensively. They've only allowed 16 goals in league play, which is third third in the league. So they're they they got pieces of it. They just got to put it all together. Indeed, we'll get there in the end. <laughs> um, so I'd like to talk to you, Chris, about the new link that is occurring. And there seems to be a very small buyout clause with uh, this chap, uh, Samir Arabi, uh, sporting director for uh, for Amina Biedefeld, uh, is being tagged for replacing Bovich and the same uh, director of sport role with Eintracht Frankfurt. Now, supposedly there is a half million buyout that will, you know, be easily soaked up by uh, them, by whatever Hertha will probably probably give us, just saying. But uh, I did some looking. So um, when it comes to uh, Eintracht and be the fed i mean we did have a guest uh at the beginning of the season uh who was able to talk to us just a little bit about uh eintracht and uh the kind of the kind of uphill battle that armina bielefeld does so i spoke with eva lotopola um on twitter and one some information that she provided to me about arabi is that whilst um there was a lot of pressure because Neuhaus was the, the man who brought the team back up. You know, he was seen as, you know, more of a visionary who was able to get the team going on next to no money. So the club had been for the longest time, you know, you know, 
uh, really in debt. Uh, they ran it up um, in the time before him, and he will get. And he's been just a guy who's been able to get transfers done. Works well with the scouting network that he has built with the club, which really was non-existent. You kind of let the, previously be able to kind of let the uh, management, the managers, kind of do anything and everything. And that's kind of what got them in trouble. And they started bouncing between, they went from the Bundesliga to the second division. And then two years in the second division, they brought to the third division, which around the time that Arabi came in, had to start cleaning things up, working with next to no money. And they bounced back and forth between the second and the third a little bit, but they used their, uh, the team that was being built uh, that ended up going to the semifinals of the 14-15 season. They ended up winning the third division and have went from a survival mid-table and then a promotion kind of flirt flirtations with going to the Bundesliga again last year, they finally bounced, uh, finally got in there. And, you know, the guy's been running all this team on peanuts compared to, well, maybe not Mainz, because Mainz still doesn't run on a lot of money. And the same with Augsburg, but less, but significantly less money than the uh, Augsburg, Union, and Mainz, who, are cons- who have long been seen as the clubs running on very, like, making the Bundesliga survival in Freiburg. Uh, doing it on very little money. Well, guess what? Bielefeld, starting from <laughs> a COVID uh, time, basically, I mean, they're they were playing with Darmstadt level money, and uh, they're at least playing for survival. We can talk about the survival time right now. But what are your thoughts, Chris, on uh, Arabi's resume? So I didn't know a lot about it. You just educated me well. Um, but the the thing I take from it. Um, like you said, playing with very little resources, uh, relative to where we are, you know, we're, we're loaded compared to them. Um, but we're very accustomed to being the low budget, not a lot in your pockets club trying to reach that next level. And he was able to do that with them. Imagine what he could do with our modest budget. So you know, mm-hmm. it, it's something well, what where... What do you think is modest? It, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're not up there, obviously, but we're, we're a club that's selling to bring in money. You know, we, we make money out of other revenue streams, but our biggest cash cow is selling guys like Luka Jovic and, and Sebastian Haller, guys like that. And if he can mine that young talent, bring it in, flip it while having success on the pitch that's really all you can ask for at our level and with the resources we have coming out of covid being stretched as thin as possible but we're having success hopefully that leads to uh cash flow from from champions league i'm not even going to mention the other one because i want champions league uh (laughs) you know again I, i i don't know enough about the body of work but seeing a promotion in there is all I need to know. And the ability to keep up this year or be in contention to keep up. The reality is, looking back at historically, uh, Bundesliga clubs that come up have a hard time staying. With the exception of mm-hmm. your clones or something like that, if you're not a club that already has a name and reputation, once you get back up, it's pretty hard to stay. Or even... Even Dusseldorf had their cup of coffee and went back. I mean, it, that's a club with more resources than Bielefeld by far. So, you know, yep. if he was able to have success with nothing, imagine what happens if you give him something. Yeah, he's yeah, uh, he's a guy who I look at and say to myself, you know what? He's not gonna. He's gonna, he works well with what he has, and if he gets something a little bit more. He can start planning. So, um, in the decade that he's been there, yeah, he went when they came to them when they had next to no money uh, as they showed up in the third division. And then they got him promoted. Then they got relegated because, hey, you're just not ready to stick around in the second in the second division because, hey, the money jump is significant to the point that, you know, clubs in the third division can lose quite a bit of cash, you know. Got them right back up, semifinal run in the Pokal. Hey, got great. Um, 
mid-table, struggling with relegation. Oh, wait, they also played a certain uh, big team in the quarterfinals in the 16-17, you know, Pocal run. Oh, I wonder who that was. That was us. (laughs) And then fourth, seventh, first. And uh, here they are. And yeah, it's been running the team, but not running the team in a way that I get. I don't see the Brookhagen... Uh, finger style, the the cheap ass moves, and hey, we're big enough that when we go in the second division, we're able to just boss other guys around. Now the they were not a team; they were able to fly underneath the radar for a lot of teams and benefit accordingly because of that. And I think you know could be could be a good match for the Eintracht. I mean, he's not as sexy as Feinsteiger by a long margin but you know what but we're not that kind of club either we've never hired somebody for the name we've never gone after even even in in signings we've never gone after players just because of the cachet of their name or their history and i would be a little disappointed if we did it i know i threw a name out there we don't have to go there but i threw a name out there that was a sexy pick and not really thinking of the nitty-gritty of it um and I think an important factor in all this too is how how the relationship would work with Ben Manga and, and how we're going to recruit talent both inside Germany and outside Germany because that's been a calling card for us, mining players out of Serbia and um, Switzerland and places like that. And I don't want that to stop. As part of our brand, that's an important aspect. So while having somebody who knows Germany and the lower levels where a lot of the German talent finds its way to the top i don't want to lose that international appeal that we have too i agree it's um we're in a spot where you just kind of wonder what is next but what i believe is next is a greater and better times qualifying for champions league will go a long (laughs) way for bringing in the resources we've never experienced to take the next step well when i had my appearance on uh talking foosballs patreon uh program when they did a deep dive on the eintracht when i was asked what champions league money would mean to eintracht frankfurt that would i and i used uh went the baseball route that was basically what turned jose canseco from a mediocre player into this juggernaut of a baseball player and then the moment that you yank it out of the needle out of him uh he deflates but we can <laughs> balloon into a big, big bruiser of a club. And if you're a Dortmund, you have to look at an Eintracht or uh, Stuttgart or because of what's behind them, a Hertha, uh, the kind of money that's behind them, um, a Hertha Berlin, and think to yourself that, you know what? You give that Champions League uh, money back injection into those clubs. That something can, with proper management, mean that they are in the Champions League and pushing other people out. So if you're a Leverkusen, you're thinking, ah, crap. Uh, if we don't make a move now, we miss out altogether on the Champions League because the way that they took on the Europa League, you know, it shows how much they really cared. And, uh, and the ability to get there once and have the resources mm. to restock you can you can make champions league sell somebody off but still have the resources to bring in some quality talent and don't underestimate what that second consecutive i'm getting ahead of myself by more than a year but don't underestimate what that second consecutive champions league qualification would do it becomes an exponential growth as far as what you can afford to sell or keep if you want at that point when you have other avenues of revenue coming in. So I'm looking ahead, but I'm looking ahead because I see the potential with who comes in next in that position to take us to that next level. Yeah. I can uh, point to uh, one club in France who's been able to kind of bounce between uh, has been able to use uh, European money to great success. Lille who uh, had to, I mean, granted, they're going through hell right now, but that's because suddenly um, I think that's what 50 plus one can protect a club uh, from 
having shady stuff happen in the background or, you know, just the entire world, you know, your TV deal being ripped out of you and suddenly you're getting like half to, you know, a third of your original planned TV money that's kind of biting them in the bum. But that's a club that's sold their big guys and still been able to make runs deep into Europe qualifying for the big competitions and uh, their current, I mean, they were until this past weekend um, leading uh, the French League. So, you know, it can be done and you can make it a real viable option. And that kind of, I mean, yes, that has been the model of Bayfowl Bay, but we're a little different than Bayfowl Bay um, because of one thing. What's in Dortmund? Empty coal mines and the likes. And a lot of, a lot of people. To be fair, <laughs> a lot of people in that rural valley, not gonna lie. But uh, Frankfurt, what uh, what's in that uh, what's in that skyline, man? Who's who who's the money behind those skyscrapers? Finance capital of Europe. That's the oh, European money. Central Bank, Deutsche Bank, not granted, but they're already kind of. Uh, in us, uh, Deutsche Bundesbank, uh, that's the Frankfurt Stock Exchange, DZ Bank, Commerce Bank, our former stadium sponsor. You suddenly have Champions League uh, action. Those guys are going to be m- making a lineup a mile long to get in on the corporate level um, hospitality stuff that I know we don't like talking about it, but that does pump a crap ton amount of money from a match day revenue point of view into a club and that's going to make those guys start fighting for each square inch of sponsorship throughout the stadium uh, during those key matches and the Bundesliga matches themselves that can put the Eintracht in a position to maybe challenge for the Meisterschale down the road but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves Chris just a little bit (laughs) So I made mention of it. Uh, Peter Bosch being fired from Leverkusen. Um, so they're seven points behind us. Still have to play us. They have been running out of steam for a very long time. Got bounced from the Pokal. Uh, the very moment that it became 2021. Uh, that was against Rolf-Weiss Essen. Uh, they got bounced by Young Boys Bern. Uh, uh, Adi former club where a certain former Intech player is a sporting director. Shame he doesn't want to leave. Anyways, <laughs> they got bounced in the round of 32 in the Europa League. Honestly, since we played them in the Pokal, they have not done a whole lot of anything. And you kept on thinking, you know what? They're not going to make a move. They're not going to make a move. Uh, suddenly, they, suddenly they, I mean, I, I did not foresee them uh, changing things. And now they have uh, the former um, Stuttgart manager and Hamburg manager, uh, Hannes Wolf. Now as the, oh, I guess he was at a Belgian club, but yeah, a guy who uh, has been here and there, and now he's the interim coach at Leverkusen. I just kind of wonder what the hell is going on. It can't just be because Radeki is uh, out injured, though he has been since like the start of the new season, uh, new year, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I think the timing, it has a lot to do to coincide with the international break. Uh, it's it's hard to bring someone in. The reality when you're playing one match a week, and then you know you're playing multiple matches a week, but then you want to try to bring in even a caretaker. They can't just jump in and and you know have any success, let alone just steady the ship. Uh, the timing had to do with giving a little bit extra window to just kind of calm things down. They're not out of the picture for Europe right now, and that's. I think, you know, Champions League sailed long ago. That's a scary part for them. But they're not out of the European window right now. Um, But the person that they're fighting is also in a pretty bad spot, too, in Dortmund. So, you know, I don't know. I I understand the timing of the move. I don't know between the two of them who I would put my betting money on to make it at this point. Yeah, is uh, Leverkusen team... Their most recent positive result was on March 6th against Gladbach, a 1-0 victory. Remember, Gladbach's been on, uh, until this weekend, they had been on their own horrible, horrible run. But I think losing to Bielefeld and Hertha in back-to-back weeks, I think 
they just thought, you know what, things haven't been great since that uh, 5-2 victory over Stuttgart in uh, early February. So they, hey, sometimes, uh, hey, look, you sometimes need to change things up a bit, and uh, they felt they needed to. So um, and you know, we're you looking know what? at the Bundesliga. There are six teams within that seven points of uh, the Europa League. So there's still a lot to be said uh, going down the stretch. A lot of people have to play each other right around them in the table. And we've been in that position before, fighting for Europe on the very last day, literally down to the very last minute in someone else's match. And uh, I love when it comes down to that in the last couple weeks. So. It's going to be a fun one to watch down the stretch. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Chris, how about we wrap a bow on this and uh, kind of uh, conclude the podcast with uh, ever with the comments that have come down through uh, our Discord channel that you can always join. I tweeted that uh, a recent out just a little bit ago, but I uh, wanted to get to one uh, comment that we got on Twitter from at wag m eight underscore Matthew Wagner. Uh, KT and Silva, man of the match, were still the biggest boys in the league. Someone help Jovic find the frame of the net. You know, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I think that it's that he's putting in the hard yard labor, uh, Jovic, right now. That we honestly, I didn't, we did not see him doing that because he was not asked to do that the last time around. And this is a different side of him that. I had previously not known that he was capable of. And so it does give us some tactical flexibility that we can invoke once we play Dortmund. Yeah, he played an entirely different role this week than we saw in the past. And, uh, you know, a lot of us said, quit bringing him off the bench. We want to see him start alongside Silva. And it kind of started off that way. He was up high quite a bit early on. But he settled in a little further back. He got more involved with the passing game. And I really thought that was when we were our most effective. Um, he's very creative with the ball. But it's not in the way that, that Silva mm-hmm. makes a touch and then creates space for himself. Jovic doesn't really have that quickness to create speed for himself. But he makes the right passes to open up other people. He was really involved with setting up that, that second Silva goal. Yeah. And I really think, however they work that mm-hmm. tactically, to keep him involved in the middle is very important. Indeed. Um, one other comment we got from our Facebook page, that uh, so that is uh, facebook.com slash H-E-F-P-O-N, where you can find all the latest in Eintracht, covering Eintracht around the world in the English language. So, it's a little bit of a long one. From Marco Hag in Australia, in the uh, <laughs> in uh, west, the province of uh, the portion of the country called Western Australia. I knew he's kind of way up there in the northern part of it. So, uh, something that he's pointed, kind of pointing out that three of the past five match days, he Hutra has na- named a full bench or just put on two keepers. So, points out that uh, seven of the nine subs named to the match against Union had two goalkeepers, eight of nine subs named. Uh, Bayern nine for nine used, but you used two goalkeepers. What is the thought process there? Does he think our youth prospects are good enough? Does sitting on the match bench as an unused sub really building the confidence and experience? Um, are these guys like Ruger and Farnberger? I mean, gonna gain a lot from sitting on the bench. He is pointing out that multiple players have been called out to U19 national teams that are on the U19 team with our match uh, coming up this Wednesday, the friendly match against uh, Wurzberger. Um, what are you, I'm kind of looping it around to this. Do you, what is the thought process going through Hutcher's mind? Or is he, you know, just doesn't feel confident in what he sees from the bench and we're just going to see what happens when we play against, uh, excuse me, V-Spot, not Wurzberger. I don't, I don't think it's a confidence thing. Um, he's got certain guys that are with mm-hmm. the first team and training with the first team because that's who he trusts to be there when he needs them. I think what it comes down to, and it's been my only real complaint about him, is he doesn't like to do anything outside of his normal substitution pattern. 
So why carry the full bench if you know going in you're not even going to use five subs, and if you do, it's going to be the same five guys at the same five positions every week. Um, you know, there's something to be said for having them there in case you need the depth, but it, I don't... Hooter is just too set in his way that the 65th or 70th minute, he's going to bring on certain people at certain positions, almost completely ignoring whatever the status of the match is to that point. So that's where I'm at. Uh, what do you think? I agree. I think um, you make a point that uh, facing off against the Union side, you're up four to two. This is what this is how you know other teams get experience to the young guys. They get uh, minutes off the bench when they're comfortably in the lead. It's something that Bayern does a lot, even though some most of these guys these days are no longer uh, sticking with Bayern. They're kind of going here, there, and everywhere because like. Well, I've kind of shown how what I can do. You're not giving me a start. All right, I'll find somewhere else to go. I think this is a point where uh, you build the depth that, honestly, look, if there's not a lot of money to spend, even with Champions League money guaranteed, you know, should we finish top four? You know, it's those guys who are going to give you the additional depth that, hey, you put out your strongest team in the Champions League because you just never know if you're able to finish, you know, in third or second or even first in the group and all the extra monies that come in that way from knockout stage uh, European action. And, uh, yeah, those guys will have to step up in the Bundesliga and you just kind of wonder what will happen therein. But, you know what, Uh, Hutter, like you said, he's set in his ways. I think we'll see a lot of faces we don't recognize when we face off against V-Spotten, and that is going to be uh, Thursday the 25th. By the time that you probably hear this, it's going to be uh, about time for the match itself. So, yes, Eintracht versus V-Spotten before we resume the Bundesliga on the 3rd, uh, uh, the Saturday before uh Easter, golly, kind of crazy to think about that considering uh, their overall timeline of the world. But yeah, uh, I'm really excited to see what will happen in that Thursday match. And uh, hey, if we're going to just see some players, you know, because the reason uh, I'll point out the recent friendlies, uh, midseason friendlies that we've had, kickers, uh, Wurzburger kickers in October international break with a 3 0 loss and a 2-0 loss to Nuremberg in November. So I'm hoping that, you know, the guys will be able to push out just a little harder than they have. But those you losses know what? seem to work Anything out. Anything okay. can happen. Yeah. Who knows? Indeed. So that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of Hey Untracked Frankfurt. I'd like to thank Chris and Nathan for joining us. Uh, you can find uh, Nathan, excuse me, on Twitter at N-A-J-A-K-W-A. Chris, where can we find you? I am on Twitter at C in the D 313 and the same on our Discord channel. There you go. And uh, you can find Discord uh, channel links on our Facebook and Twitter accounts on facebook.com slash H-E-F-Pod and uh, at H-E-F-Pod on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, we... Uh, load up uh, all sorts of articles uh, covering the Eintracht in the English language, whether that be in front of the, the club site itself or from uh, the Bundesliga website or from uh, any, you know, uh, gent writing or lady writing about the Eintracht in the English language. I try to get it all put on there. So uh, you can all just go, uh, go to that like it and uh have a look see around there you can also find our podcast and all all your various podcasting forms uh whether that be apple spotify and soundcloud you can find us all there chris like uh it feels weird that's not previewing a match but hey and i think uh, it's time for us to kick back and enjoy the international weekend for what it is and hopefully all of our players will come back uh, fresh as daisies uh for dortmund yes lots of international matches today tomorrow We'll keep it going, have a little breath, a little break from the uh, Eintracht matches, but we'll pick up real strong next week. Hopefully we don't take any steps back. Indeed, indeed. All right, from the, uh, thanks for everyone listening to this episode of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. You know, you can always get in contact with us on Twitter. That is at H-E-F-Pond, Facebook.com slash H-E-F-Pond, uh, where you can also send messages as well. You can also email the podcast, that is 
heyeintrachtfrankfurt at gmail.com. So from all of us here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, thanks for listening to episode 166, and tschüss! Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, tschalalalalalala Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, tschalalalalala